How does it work? Why do you want to know? I wish to know all the secrets of existence. Don't we all? But first... Hold to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? It's a very flat team structure. We all have our area of expertise. We should talk. Want to come with us? Not really. It's a long, sad story. I've got time. Tell me. Here comes the drums! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, where we have the very muffled sound of drums. This is a Doctor Who podcast, in case you didn't know, and we are the only Doctor Who podcast out there listening and watching the show in very, very random order. My name's Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and yeah, Chris and I are a couple of guys, a couple of journalists, a couple of Doctor Who obsessives who have been obsessing about the show and nerding out about it for most of our lives. We figured, why not share that nerdiness with an audience that'll really appreciate it, which is most of the, which is not the other people in our lives, <laughs> but you folks, you, the you, fans. You, you dear you. listener, you, yes. you know who you are. You pull to open fans, and many of you will know where we've been previously on pull to open. Four episodes ago, we were at our first Sylvester McCoy story, Battlefield, which has interesting connections to where we're at today, not least of which because it reminded us of Monty Python. Uh, three episodes ago, we were also back in Old Who with the two Doctors, a Colin Baker-Patrick Troughton joint, and uh, we learned all about why vegetarianism is cool. Two episodes ago, we were on Tom Baker's only Cyberman story revenge of the cybermen and we saw why it was tom baker's only cybermen story uh and then last week the randomizer heard our prayers our desire to return to new who and it took us to the jody whittaker episode rosa and now here we are stuck in the new show series specifically stuck in new show series 11 we've moved from episode three to episode eight we have gone from the historical or pseudo historical rosa to the historical or pseudo historical witch finders wow let me first get a little bit of a if I could do a clap emoji somewhere here yeah. in Zencaster, I would. That was a very great <laughs> summary Thank you. Of, of where we've been lately and sort of our also our emotional journey. Yeah. Of, it's of praying to be back in New Who. And boy, <laughs> boy, did it answer us in a big way. I mean, we're not like it rocketed us forward to the most recent era. Yeah. Of Doctor Who, which is obviously is very apt because we're uh, just weeks away now from the centenary special. We are. And and yeah, it's sort of almost a gift that we've, we've been uh, asked to by the randomizer to give the Whitaker era a closer look and, mm. and almost a rewatch, right? Because it's, I, I don't know about you, Pete, I, I hadn't really uh, rewatched a lot of the uh, 13th Doctor's stuff. Um, yeah, me neither. Yeah. This is so, the first time I've, I've rewatched either of these episodes, Rosa and the yeah. Witchfinders. And, yeah. and I feel like it's giving us good ones to rewatch while sort of leaving uh demons of the punjab which i think is easily the best episode of of that season of series 11 um uh but still giving us a couple of really good historicals and definitely focusing on on the the setting in the past more than the future earth more than space 
uh, and randomize those preferences. And, and yeah. do you know what? Do you know what, Pete? It, it also it answered our question. <laughs> you know what? It, it remember a couple of weeks ago we uh, I think within our within our feedback loop within our news we were we were talking about King Charles King Charles the right, third yeah as he now is and we were asking our listeners you know if, if, if there's any uh, story that has King Charles in it. like you know we sort of mentioned like he's briefly shown in the Idiot's Lantern he's probably on the palace balcony during the coronation right. uh he you know sort of tangentially mentioned in a few other situations this battlefield that had mention of the king another interesting reason yeah. for the randomizers take us there however we we said are there any are there any others are there any other charles references now the randomizer didn't a- an- answer us directly because it couldn't because i don't think it, it can i don't think there are any um but it did take us to the only Doctor Who episode to feature a king of England. Oh. In a speaking role. I think I'm right, right? Because King's mm. Demons, we've been there. That was not actually King John. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was Chameleon the Robot. Um I and you know, and I just went through the codex the other night, kind of trying trying to look for examples of, of kingly appearances in Doctor Who. I don't think there are any others. It's true. It's been more queen obsessed. Exactly. Which, we've had which... Elizabeth yeah. I, many, many times, <laughs> yes. but no kings. Uh, so true. this is literally yeah. the closest that it could possibly take us to a King Charles III episode, uh, because of course James, uh, his his son uh, King James was uh, was King Charles I. So there is sort of a connection here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, once again, I'm scared of the randomizer. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like Doctor Who's casting of kings. <laughs> a little better than maybe the real world, but um, yes, no, give, give us King Alan, King Alan the First. I was King. I was trying to go through the time space visualizer in my head as you were talking about early, you know, depictions of royalty, and mm. I actually went back to the time space visualizer in my mind into the Jays, where they <laughs> they they peek in, and I thought for a second, was there a king? No, it was actually it was Elizabeth the First because it was yeah. like. Uh, Shakespeare was in her court and there was some little back and forth there. So yeah, yeah. no Kings there either. No Kings in Dr. Who except for Alan Cumming and we will get yeah. to him. But first we have what we call our feedback loop. Pete, what's the feedback loop? <laughs> the feedback loop is where we dive into pull to open the podcast and how it's interacting with the real world, such as the internet is, because we are <laughs> on the internet. So but real. people uh, review the podcast, they leave us comments, and we have uh, we like to talk about the highlights of that in this part. And we're going to lead off with reviews, as we always do. And this time uh, with reviews, which, by the way, you should leave. Mm. Uh, reviews are great uh, we love them we love to read them out on the air and they really help the podcast with their visibility in the apple podcast app so even if you don't use that app please go ahead and fire it up and leave us a review um also wherever you're listening to this if you are able to rate or review the show please do so uh, again really helps the app uh the app <laughs> it probably does help helps. the app but it also helps the podcast yeah. it helps but- the app to be used every so often it's like stretching muscle <laughs> you gotta, exactly. you gotta do it just, Your podcast just... app wants to feel wanted. Exactly. So what I have here, though, is a bit of a correction on our <laughs> last review. So we read out uh, one of our most recent reviews, which had a very clever clever title of a blue box. Yes. Uh, but I really tripped over the handle, 
and it was I think I said it was Dajo Zen one and yes. that's the best I did when I if I just sort of thought about it for a little longer um, <laughs> I would have realized it's the chosen one yes. as in the chosen one and I want to thank uh, Joe cyberpunk rep for setting us straight yes um, I love it. I love it. If, if we if we'd been, you know, better better Star Wars fans and uh, not not thinking in a Doctor Who fan context, maybe we would have gotten that one. I know, I know. I don't, know, I don't even know if I have any Star Wars Easter eggs in my background today. But <laughs> um, thanks so much again for that great review. It was a really good one. And you too could get your handle corrected. <laughs> that's right you can even mention two weeks in a row <laughs> leave a perplexing a good review with a perplexing handle and we'll be glad to uh give you a one-two punch uh so thanks again joe and go ahead and follow him if you find that on the socials as well after you follow of course pull to way. open wherever we are available uh, mm. uh tiktok pull to open twitter and instagram pull to open 63 and youtube.com slash pull to open we're on all of it I have to say, before we before we leave that chosen one and the uh, the blue box emoji, this reminds me that that RTD himself has been using emoji as sort of a Doctor Who uh, hint. Uh, fact. Mm. So you know the, the Doctor Who you emoji tell. thing is Might so hot. Nice. It's so hot right now. Uh, yeah, he pre he previewed the announcement of Shuti Gatwa as the as the fourteenth Doctor with a. Uh, uh, a tweet that was just, I believe it was two hearts, two heart emojis, a plus sign, and a blue box. Oh, okay. Yeah, All yeah. Right, I sort of vaguely so remember this. But has he been up to anything lately? Uh, there, there were other mentions. There was one similar one that sort of preceded the announcement of uh, uh, Tennant and uh, Donna. Uh. Yeah. Uh, their, their return. That was also a, a two heart. Uh, so anyway, all I'm yeah. saying is clearly RTD listens to the show. Clearly, he's gotten the idea that, that Doctor Who emoji is the way to go. Well, uh, so it's I would really add hard. that he clearly should have written smile. <laughs> <laughs> he knows someone. emoji. Yeah, uh, yeah. Only that someone who knew emoji actually writing that episode, <laughs> I think it would have been a classic. He speaks emoji. Um, speaking of RTD, this is kind of the mm -hmm. other business section of things, but mm -hmm. he did share something out on Instagram recently mm. and uh, clearly gotten to work even before I don't think uh, they're shooting the next season yet I think that's in a mm. couple of months I think November but they tweeted out a photo of himself and Shudi Gatwa and uh, other other creative folks which I who I should know <laughs> obviously working on the show but they're obviously hard at work on the next season season what is that 12 13 no 14 I guess right well, Flux was technically the series thirteen. Thirteen, yes. Yeah, okay. So fourteen will be the next one. Wow, yeah. apt. <laughs> Indeed, the number of seasons, the number of Doctors have finally lined up. Not sure if that's happened before. Yeah, crazy. Uh, we'll see. We'll see when they get to season two hundred seventy-five. <laughs> Oh, we will get there. We'll yeah. still be on air going through ra random episodes of Doctor Who, probably. Absolutely. Um, I'm committed. <laughs> we did figure out last time that this was going to take us, what, eight years? Something um, like that. But I mean, I, as long as some mud reanimates me billions <laughs> of years later, I am down. So, Morax, right. people, if you're listening, 
you know, I will break you guys out of prison to just keep this podcast going. Oh my Getting god, getting ahead will, of myself though. We will so chop down the tree to, to let sure. our Morax brothers and sisters out. <laughs> uh, Morax, the Morax—they speak for the mud. Um, so I went over the other socials. Um, just a reminder, YouTube, we are still uploading season two of the podcast. Mm. So we have just gotten all the way up to Terror of the Autons. That was oh, a good one. I remember it well. It was about a year ago. Yeah. 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 Good times. I don't think we ever really um, figured out why the Nestines are octopi in the Pertwee era. But, eh, you know, go with it. It's funny. I think I think daffodils. Every time I think of Terror yeah. of the Autons now, I just think daffodils. Totally. And, and, uh, and yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's, sort of, yeah it's, it's, it's it's this sort of happy, joyous uh, celebration of flowers in my memory. Um, <laughs> it's, it's perhaps where best to leave it. Um, yeah. Okay. And so, uh, TikTok, of course, we are on TikTok uh, at Pull to Open. We're getting more followers, more comments, and we have a TikTok comment of the week. And this is on one of our Revenge of the Cybermen videos. It was actually the plot summary. And it comes from someone with the handle Slats22. And Slats22 tells us, My first intro to Cybermen. Loved this episode. Really thought those little cyberbug venom things creepy as heck. Wow. And I wanted to just highlight this just to remind everyone, you know, as much as you might, might hate on a particular episode, it has its fans. And hmm. we did find like a lot to like about Revenge of the Cybermen. I mean, there was it, it sort of starts out strong and then completely collapses under the nonsenseness of its plot. Yeah, um, but, but someone loves it. Yeah, and it's you know it's it, again like I say, not as bad as we thought. And like I I could I think it's completely okay to love that episode if you love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, we we're not here to tell you that you're wrong, that you're yeah. bad for loving a thing that you love. Uh, but also, I, I love that he, to- he calls the Cybermat Cyberbug cyber bug Venom Things, <laughs> um, which is wonderful. I, you know, uh, TikTok's a great platform, and I, I sort of feel like it's in its infancy. And one of the things it could do is link to other suggested TikToks that we uh, point you to, because it would be great for us to go from a, a Cybermat TikTok from Revenge of the Cybermen to a Cybermat TikTok from, say, Closing Time. Yeah. Like, if you liked yeah. uh, Cybermats, you know, here's here's a TikTok for you to go to next. And we do have one. There's a TikTok yeah. we did on Bitey from Bitey. Closing Time. Oh, I love Bitey. Oh. All-time gold med- best gold medalist in the Cybermat contest, I believe. Like, Bitey was just so great. There, there um, are no gods but Bitey. Uh, no no <laughs> Cybermats but Bitey. You got to have them on the pod sometime. <laughs> in, via Zoom, right? In his own uh, window. So he's just uh, smashing against the screen for the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be hard to get him close to the mic. And I might feel a little, a little uneasy about that if he was here in the room. Yeah, Bitey, but... Bitey, we can't hear you, Bitey. You've eaten your mic. <laughs> um, swallow it. Give it, yeah. <laughs> regurgitate it bitey come on <laughs> so thanks slats 22 for reminding us there's good things and even what we consider might be the the turkeys of doctor who That's right. um turkey is tasty turkey's delicious man i'm looking yeah. forward to having tons of it this fall <laughs> all right next time we're at new home uh yeah yeah so, so that's it yeah closing the book on the feedback loop there and we're getting to <clears throat> other business which i think we've pretty much covered the centenary specials coming up mm. but one thing we did mention was the doctor who magazine revealed the title that was that's been out for a while i've actually finally got my hard copy which uh, took a while to get me and that old for the youtube people on youtube yeah 
that Sasha Dewan. And I've, I've, there's a lot of interviews in here and I did just get it. So I've only read one of them, but, um, it, they, they share a lot about sort of the, the epicness as you would expect of the centenary special allude to certain things that are happening. Um, and they have interviews with everybody from Janet Fielding to well, everyone we know about, right? Mm. So, so Janet Fielding, Sophie Aldred, uh, Sean O'Kane, who's back as Ash. And I wanted to just yeah. flip again for you guys on YouTube. Uh, this is what I'm really looking forward to. And I'm on record as one of the first pull to opens as really liking this design. It's the Cybermasters. Yes. Back, as we kind of knew, but uh, they got a whole freaking spread here in the magazine. That I, I cool did not looking. know that. I did not know that they were back. I'm, I'm excited that they're back. It's a great design. It's one of the things that we mentioned when we, when we uh, uh, did the Timeless Children back before we went random uh, back right. in the first season. And um it was yeah, it was definitely a standout from that from that episode from that season. Um, the design of the Cybermasters yeah. it made the ridiculous concept that the Master could wipe out the entire Time Lord race uh, kind of makes a bit more. Well, it doesn't make sense, but yeah. re- produces a reason. You know, <laughs> the Cybermasters are cool. Not to get too far down, yeah. pre- <laughs> previewing or reviewing a show we know virtually mm. nothing about. But yeah. what I would love, uh, I, I really like the Cybermasters, not just as a design, but kind of an idea. And I, I kind of do want to see them without the Master, though. Because I, I, if they're just kind of like cyber slaves of the Master, mm. that's not that interesting. But if you see Cybermen enhanced with the power and sort of knowledge of the Time Lords essentially cyber time lords i i like that idea of them as a primary bad guy yeah i like the, yeah a cyber lord president would would be fantastic and i, I also kind of love the idea you're, you're taking me into interesting headcanon territory uh which is the, like what if they were like oswald in um in uh asylum of the daleks they didn't know they were cybermen they thought oh. they were just time lords kind of continuing on Right, uh, or like know. Bill. Even there's some precedent yeah. for that, right? With yes. the Cybermen, exactly. Bill, yeah. even better example uh, in the Doctor Falls. Bill is a Cyberman. Yeah, um, I like that. And mm. they're this kind of like somehow the cyberizing of them gives them almost like it's almost like this is the thing. The Cybermen have. <laughs> I, I shouldn't go too far down. This is a tangent, but they're sometimes yeah. like zombies. Yeah, and sometimes they're like vampires. If you think yes. about it, right? You know, and so sort of. You can play up both of those things in an episode like that, and I, I just, uh, I really think there's a, there's a lot of ripe stuff to be mined by finding this cyberized uh, versions of other things, and not just sort of this this yeah. human human plus technology thing, which is interesting. I like the Cyberman. Don't get me wrong. It's just like you know, let's let's keep keep experimenting. Let's keep trying new things. I love it because it sort of sh- it sends a shiver down my spine at the idea of the Cybermen not knowing that they're Cybermen, and it's yeah. you know we do we do love if you're f- new to pull to open the pull to open universe we uh, we do love our headcanon here on this show mm. we do love to take a tangent into what might have been and what might yet be so uh, definitely not out of character for us at all. However, uh, we are going to close the book. Are we <laughs> on the feedback loop? Must we? Must okay. we? Uh, <laughs> well, the because it is that yeah. time it's time it's, it's time. that time it's the time that, that peter's procrastinating on because he has to summarize yeah. the episode that we're talking about the witch finders right uh in a segment we call tldw too long didn't watch or too long doctor who you choose um and what we do with these is we give you 30 seconds per classic episode one minute per new episode to 
summarize the show uh, with no with no notes open on your screen. Right. Uh, yep, they're all gone. On YouTube, you can see yes, the Pete's face grows slightly darker as the as the deadline looms. <laughs> windows disappear. As windows I do hide disappear. others from the finder, and even the Zengaster is no longer visible. <laughs> yes, it's not that we have dramatic lighting. Uh, <laughs> here on Pull to Open, it is just merely the closing of the windows. Someday, so, someday. So, Pete, how are uh, you feeling about summarizing the Witchfinders in one minute? I'll be honest with you, not great. I mean, uh, as you sort of demonstrated, even in Rosa, which was even yeah. I think more straightforward. Um, these these new who ones are hard because are. there is a pacing difference between the classic series and the new series, and the new series just sort of inherently crams more in, I believe. Mm. Um, so there's that, and this one is like there's a lot of kind of back and forth in this one. I feel like more than it seems. Um, so there's, there's a lot of plot. There's a lot of yeah, plot. In there's a lot of plot. This is what we're discovering. Uh, our our muscles are out of practice. Our plot summarizing yeah. muscles have been become used to the high oxygen environment of classic who um mm-hmm. and and now here we are taking them to the altitude training <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so i'll do my best here I'll, I'll obviously you know it's a, in tldw it's always a question of what you leave out what you prioritize so yep. um it's not it inherently can't be comprehensive so i'll uh i'll try to be really selective and not go down any rabbit holes that's <laughs> right. the best you can do man Good luck. Good luck with the mud and the tentacles bubbling up out of those rabbit holes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't get trapped by the tentacles. All right. The official pull to open summary in the witch of the Witchfinders. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take that again. The official pull to open <laughs> summary of the Witchfinders starts in three, two, one, go. The Doctor and the fam are going back or trying to go back to see Elizabeth I, but they keep missing and they actually end up uh, pretty close in the early 17th century in Lancashire, and uh, there is a witch trial going on. The doctor says, "Don't interfere," but then she loses that resolve on seeing the witch, the person being drowned. Uh, they get drowned. The doctor pretends that she is actually a witch finder general to the local person, who's this woman named Becca Savage. Uh, who has actually been executing a lot of women because they're witches. And so she tries to uh, uh, stop her uh, in any way she can. Uh, A plot twist, King James actually shows up because he's been hearing about the heroism of this woman executing witches in the name of uh, defeating Satan. And so the doctor and the fam uh, really try to find out what's going on. Yaz finds out that there is these uh, the, this weird mud stuff that's actually reanimating corpses. The doctor realizes there are these creatures, um, the Morax, that come out of this prison time. and they somehow keep stops going. them from uh, breaking out of that prison. Uh, but the king actually kills this Becca Savage person who's been taken over by the Morax. And uh, it's it's uh, sad, but they have defeated the Morax and re-imprisoned them. And uh, the doctor gets King James, or at least tries to persuade him to stop uh, killing witches, and they all leave. Uh, uh, yes, well, <laughs> okay. One minute and 22 seconds. Yeah, I, 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 there's too much to explain here. There I mean, is too I, much. I, I'm sorry. Yes. I, I don't know where I would have. I mean, I kind of know. Like, I probably should have practiced it or something because it's like. There were, I've left out a lot, even going a minute twenty. <laughs> that's that's okay. It's okay. It's not. Yeah. This is not a reality show. Will you be mm. ejected from the podcast for <laughs> going over time? That's that's later in the pull to open development yeah. uh, when this turns into a really nasty podcast. Um, 
<laughs> but no, the no, you will the Inferno World. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if I wear a fake mustache, like a tune yeah. one, one of the week, I've got a fake Some mustache. Leather eye patches. Uh, watch out. Those off yeah, I'll, I'll just do a sort of swing around in my chair, and I'll think leather eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> We've I all got one. You doing that get up, Chris? <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, but no, no, no. It's a really tough one, and it's. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to handle this. This, this there is a lot going on. You do sort of have to bring King James into it, which King James was apparently a, a late addition to the story. Mm. Uh, the story was, which is ironic because the story was originally called Demonology, which okay. is the name of the book that King James I wrote about witchcraft uh, that is glimpsed mm. re- briefly uh, on the uh, the table of, of Becca Savage uh, in, in this show. Uh, he but did yeah, a lot of writing that game, James. <laughs> he really did. My God, uh, he he wrote three books. Uh, he did not write, uh, obviously, the translation of the Bible that bears his right. name. Um, but he did do two other ones. Um, uh, basically, the uh, well, <laughs> no, right. not quite that length. But yeah, he did do demonology because he was right. actually witchfinders is historically accurate in a lot of ways, and one of the ways is he was obsessed with witches. And then the other ones, he kind of uh, was obsessed with the divine right of kings, okay. um, which would cause his son, King Charles, so much trouble and would cause him to eventually lose his head, this philosophy of the divine right of kings. Um, and uh, and then the, the, the other one is a, a book written to the son that he thought was going to be king. Uh, I, I believe his name was Frederick. Uh, who who died, and you know King King Charles I became king because his elder brother died um, before King James I died. So it's, imagine being poor Charles I, and your dad has written this entire book to your dead brother on how to be a king, and like <laughs> there you are, like doing doing the line from uh, Walk Hard. If you remember that film, the wrong son died. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so fascinating for a lot of reasons. Um, obviously, King the, the existence of King James in this sort of kind of throws a, a lot of spanners in the works, and the first spanner is named Alan Cumming because yeah. if you're watching The Witchfinder and you're like, "Hang on, didn't this have to have used to have more scenes?" Well, the answer is that Alan Cumming stole them. Um, <laughs> he he walked away with them. Other ones like there's less scenery than you might imagine because he chewed it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, I, yeah. I th- what I did think, you think? Well, I what thought, did you think seeing it again? Uh, I thought it was good. I was it was really good. Uh, and I think it's already interesting. And you know, you're getting a lot of um, visceral reaction from the doctor and the fam encountering sort of this ugliness of history, sort of similar in that sense to Rosa, but but yeah, sort of different in some key ways. Uh, just sort of from the, the historical thematic sense, but really, like you're already into it. Alan Cumming shows up, and everything gets leveled up. Like you're just like, yeah. oh wow! Like he's kind of blowing me away with his lines and his performance. And I found that, like, as much as I enjoyed him, I almost felt bad for Jodie Whittaker. Yes, because she's kind of getting shown up in her own show. Now that said, I think her role in this one, and we'll get into it, is written very well. Um, in that she she's she's always sort of moving things along and seemingly in control, except for a couple of key spots. Um, But there, there's sort of room for, to, for the script to sort of make its points about 
sort of prejudice and particularly sexism mm -hmm. through her uh, mm -hmm. without her losing agency and also her sort of retaining her sort of commanding status as the doctor. So it sort of threads a needle here, you know, like it's yeah. got a lot to do and it pulls off most of it pretty well. It gives the guest star space to shine and it gives Jody and Alan a great scene together where he, he has captured her. He's, mm, he's just right. sort of like now completely convinced that, that the doctor is a witch. Um, and, and they have this great line, these, these great lines together, these great scenes. Um, all about this question of like, well, well, basically she knows everything that's happened to him because yeah. one thing we know about the doctor, he's, I wouldn't say he or she is a royalist, but they are definitely um, kind of yeah. most very, very interested in the details. They, they, they know their British history. They do. No question. Isn't that interesting? Kind of reminds it, me a little bit of uh, Davison and, yeah, and the King's Demons. Yeah, the King's yeah. Demons and making sure, you know, Tegan was uh <laughs> was up to speed Making sure um, damn colonial knew her british history yeah uh, yeah uh, but it's um but yeah generally i think the Witchfinders is good i think plot wise it um it's actually okay uh i guess when the morax show up and particularly when becca savage is taken over by them i feel like there's a kind of a downgrade in the villainy of the episode because yeah. the villainy is I think very good when it's that historical ignorance, the witch trials and sort of like you, you understand it, but obviously you hate it and disgust it. And we're feeling what the fam is feeling, you know, knowing that they can only do so much hmm. and can only correct so much by um, without, you know, going to war with these people essentially. Right. Um, but the, the, the when it, when they become the Morax and it's kind of just another alien of the week mm. that just sort of inherently becomes a little less interesting. And I know it's a Doctor Who show and you kind of expect that, um, but you know it's 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 kind of like they're there to sort of layer on the creepy stuff with the zombies earlier, which yeah. works right. That's even that's creepy as hell. My daughter who watched this with me, she had a hard time going to sleep that night. So oh yeah, I can believe it parent of the year award after this one by the way <laughs> those, um, those mud creatures they're, they're pretty terrifying like the the shade of gray yeah. on their skin there's just something about that well especially the the lead one who is the mm. i forget the name of the character but she's drowned in like the first time uh the, the first person old, gets drowned. old mother twiston yes yeah mm -hmm. she she got her like her makeup and everything is perfect like she mm. is super creepy like you do not want to be anywhere near her the other ones like when they get the other corpses I'd see. I think they were just rushed. You know, they were just like we we can't do the full on thing for all six of them, and the other ones clearly look like they're just you know dimly lit in a music video. But it uh, was it, it's beautifully shot. We should definitely give a shout out to sure. to the director on this. Um, which, by the way, I believe first first Doctor Who story ever to be written and directed by women. Yep. Um, and the the direction on this is great. It's very horror movie. It's very sort of low angles on the the mud zombies right make them look mm. way creepier than yeah. they are there's that great scene where we pull back to reveal that there's tons of them have all escaped from their graves mm. right after we've just dealt with one um which is yeah you know it's m, m. night Shyamalan worthy uh esque kind of you know just in uh, visually speaking right yeah. it's i will get my criticism in here though that i've said before about things they don't do enough and uh, they yeah. do some things like they kill. I, I forget the king the, again. I should. <laughs> I should probably uh, try to prepare for this. But the the king's protector, 
gets killed mm. by one of them with sort of this force shock, which again, I think is kind of a yeah. bad choice. I mean, I get that it's, this isn't a horror movie. It is Doctor Who, right? So there's a certain, there's a limit to the gro- the gruesomeness. Yes. Um, but you can at least allude to it. You know, you don't have to show the gore, but I, I would have preferred a much, a little more visceral danger from the zombies. Mm. Cause at some point I'm kind of thinking, well, are they going to do anything? What are they going to do? And I kind of wanted, I, there was a missed opportunity here to have a little bit of night of the living dead vibes like yeah these things yeah. are really threatening us and we're, we're in visceral physical danger which you never quite feel once they well, show up yeah yeah you either go that way i think you're right you either go that way or you go into pure historical now we were, yeah. we were talking about this last week about with rosa like the you know racist dude from the future uh crasco who uh instigates the the attempt to stop rosa doing doing her protest um you know, is it's kind of a fig leaf for, for sure. an almost pure historical. Now, if you're only familiar with New Who, you may not know uh, from the old show there were pure historical episodes right up until the the Patrick Troughton era. There was a lot in William Hartnell's era. It was very much a thing that was part of the remit of the show was education. So you had a lot of shows like uh, you know the Reign of Terror, or episodes like the Reign of Terror. Uh, or, you know, the massacre, There's stuff like this, where it was just a historical event that the Doctor was going to, or indeed uh, an unearthly child technically counts, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's built in right from the start, and they stopped it officially with the Highlanders, Black Orchid in the Peter Davidson era is technically pure historical. And it's like the, the new show has sort of been flirting with the idea, but it's mm-hmm. like at the last minute they pull back, like, no, we've got to have something, something futury, something uh, monstery. And yeah. uh, they, it's basically the randomizers have shown us two examples, like the, the Rosa is the something futury, and, um, you know, and the Witchfinders has the Morax, something monstery. Now, my, my problem with the Morax is, uh, you know, I'm a word guy, so it's going to be mainly about the name, the fact right. that. We the only thing we know about these mud zombies so far is one they're they're covered in mud, and two they car- carry an axe, like that's their defining feature. They like to pick up axes, even the axes yeah. that the fam has stupidly left lying around in in the house, in Becca Savage's house. They're like, oh, she keeps an axe under her bed. That's interesting. Oh, look, the mud creatures grabbed the axe. We probably should have had that. Um, <laughs> But, so, that, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you're thinking about these creatures, right? In a shorthand, you're thinking the word axe. Uh, and then they show up and, and, and then they reveal that their name is More Axe. Um, <laughs> not less axe, True. more, more axe. Um, but yeah, also, it's, it's, it sounds... it's actually almost M O A R, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I think it's almost actually spelled that. I mean, I guess the A is on the other side. More axe, more. Um, but also, it sounds just like Lorax, and maybe this is just an American thing. I don't think you know Dr. Seuss wasn't as as uh, common in the UK, at least outside the Cat in the Hat. I, I don't remember the Lorax growing up, but certainly, you know, a, a, to a US audience, this is like it's the Lorax, but with mud, like. Yeah. Morax speaks for the trees. The Morax speaks for the mud. It's definitely one of the lazier names. Honestly, one of the mm. lazier al- aliens and, and plot-wise, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, point out. Just because it's like they do this thing, again, almost needlessly making this scale mm. absurd on the timeline. Because they're like, well, this this jail for the Morax has been there for billions of years, which is like mm. billions. Really? Because that's like predating most life on Earth. And that's fine. I guess you could say that someone created a prison billions of years ago on some rock that just happened to turn into Earth. 
I guess that's the implication. Yeah. It is a like, it's almost like you don't even want an explanation, right? Like it, it sort of, you don't even want to think about it because it kind of ruins it. And it's all just twisting this plot into the, the witch trials of the 17th mm. century. And, you know, they, you could just say anything. You could just say like, well, because uh, they would like to vacation here in Lancashire, like uh, these, these <laughs> like their hunting ground or whatever. It's like they, every yeah, now and then they, they, Hill. they gather and, some berries from Earth. And they decided, hey, this is a good spot for our prison. It is interesting going back and forth with the new show and the old show. This is a problem the old show had as well, right? We ran into this re- with Revenge of the Cybermen, that yeah. the the Vogan uh, people on that that asteroid uh, called Voga um were there for like they've been around they said they've been around for billions of years themselves right and uh, i think we, something like that i don't know something like that but i feel well, like we've had this conversation many times about yeah. doctor who villains that they are almost always imprisoned for billions of years or millions like yeah. why why do you need that that time scale you know yeah. uh, it's just it's kind of lazy writing i think you're absolutely right um Especially as it, so, so you know, it's it's a lovely environmental metaphor that the reason the Morax were freed was that a tree was chopped down because Becca Savage was right. uh, greedy and she didn't care about other people and you well, know, land, the, landowner and the most the most um, superficial of reasons too. It wasn't yeah, just like, it was I needed to burn fuel. fuel. No, she just like I don't like the tree. The look of the tree, right? Uh, now. Yeah, yeah. I don't want I don't want to look at that tree. So again, you know, Lorex reference, like she's chopping a yeah. tree down. And that's when the tentacle comes out of the ground and chops her down, uh, or at least, you know, inf- infects her, um, which yeah. is, I, I kind of like the infection aspect of it. You know, Becca Savage sort of dripping mud out of her eyes. That's a nice, creepy yeah. scene. Like, oh, okay, I'm starting to put this together. Um, yeah, and you kind of can feel figure out, like, from, we've seen the zombies, like, oh, mm. That's what's going to happen to her, and so uh, I think that yeah, it works really well. It works as a very good uh, plot device, just because it's like, oh, okay, she's not just killing uh, people to sort of appease Satan uh, and accusing them of witchcraft. She's actually trying to hide her own um, infection. Mm, yeah, you know, sort of yeah, it's right. That that sense of like you know she's she's projecting yeah uh, her hatred yeah because because it's happening to her is, yeah. yeah yeah so speaking of things that that happen in in doctor who quite a lot uh that i think are handled well in this one is that the doctor's mention of meeting historical characters can often be or or sometimes being historical characters as we saw, saw in rosa the doctor basically says that she's banksy um <laughs> and uh you know and, and this in this case it's uh, Houdini. Houdini makes a, a wonderful, I think, well, very well judged uh, appearance in the script where that is how the doctor explains that she she escapes the chains in the ducking chair um, because of, quote, a wet weekend with Houdini. <laughs> a wet weekend. Okay. A wet weekend. I love that because it just, you know. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it's uh, an open bar? I mean, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways to interpret that, which is, I think, what is wonderful. Like, there's, there's no, like, you know, when, when Clara would talk about going and making out with Jane Austen, like, there were no two ways to interpret that, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you sort of make it ambivalent and ambiguous like this, like, the Doctor had a wet weekend with Houdini, what does that mean? Who knows? Make up <laughs> your own headcanon. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think it notably, it's I think the second, at least the second mention of the Doctor meeting Houdini. There was a Pertwee episode ah. where he frees himself from some some rope or something, and he sort of for some reason can't remember the name of how taught him, and it was he, he utters out all these H names, and of course at the end it's Houdini. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so can I can I uh, include one historical fact here that I love, and we'll. We'll maybe get to Chris's historical corner later because oh, I have a lot have. to say. Let's say about witch trials and we about ducking chairs. I feel <laughs> like we've been in the corner this whole time, but okay. We're, we're corner adjacent. Um, <laughs> but I just, since we're talking about the prison that is holding the Morax, mm-hmm. uh, Pendle Hill in, in Lancashire is a famous, famous hill. Famous for a lot of oh, reasons, okay. actually, because we have so much history in Britain that is just leaking with it. And the, the Pendle Hill witch trials are only one of like three reasons why Pendle, Pendle Hill is famous. But my favorite fact about Pendle Hill is that the literal translation of Pendle Hill is Hill, Hill, Hill. <laughs> okay. Because, because the word Pendle, it comes from pen, which meant hill in, I believe, uh, Cumbrian, an old, a very old language, yeah. and then I think "dull" came from "hill" in Anglo-Saxon, uh, and then and people just sort of ran them together, and then forgot what both words mean, so they added a hill because it's clearly a hill. Yeah, so there... it's hill, hill, hill. <laughs> Is it like a hill? Gets a little flat. And there's a little <laughs> there's a hill. hill on top of that, and then maybe there's an anthill on the second hill. So you got yeah, it's a, it's like a warning to hikers: hill, hill, hill. <laughs> like this is a serious one. Great on this one is massive. Yeah, <laughs> don't even bother getting your bike up there. Yeah, wow. yeah. So okay. Pendle Hill, um, you know, scene of real witch trials, uh, or or scene of an area where people were put on trial. They were not burned. They were not ducked. They were hanged. Nine, nine women and two men. Which is why, you know, to, to the point of the, the show itself, like the show says that, what is it, 26 uh, people um, have been killed here? Like, in, no, uh, I think it might have been higher. It might have been like 30-something. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. Becca Savage has, yeah, she's she's killed or drowned 36 witches and that's sort of why they have to do this thing at the end where they basically make it hidden history right we're going to completely abolish the town uh what was it called a slimehurst (laughs) it's not a nice name of town some Um, some somehurst crag crag yeah yeah i remember the word crag um yeah yeah, it's uh bilehurst 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 yes Bilehurst Crag. Yes, that's yeah. that's a name you you wouldn't necessarily want to have on the map. So it's interesting <laughs> that the king kind of announced it. But it's also interesting that they're saying that this massive ducking of witches occurred mm-hmm. completely outside of the historical record. Nobody noticed. Nobody nobody wrote it down because the actual Pendle Hill witch trials are some of the best. Like we have the most documentary evidence for them of any witch trials anywhere. Oh, interesting. I yeah. assume they all ended in execution, uh, all the hangings and uh, yeah, yeah. So, so they were never survived a witch trial, like proven. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I believe it, it somewhere their innocence was like they died. So you know, 
Yeah. Well, like that the opposite of no harm, no foul. It's all harm, but, all foul. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we'll we'll get to the ducking stool later as a separate thing. Like, I'm glad that they included it because the ducking stool was almost more deadly than uh, than witch trials were. Mm-hmm. Witch trials, like they they grab the headlines, as it were, in a historical sense. Obviously, we we think of Salem. Yeah. Uh, but how many people were killed at Salem? Uh, 20. 20 were executed. 200 people accused, right? So it was only a 10% uh, murder rate. And Salem, obviously, we remember as this horrible, horrible uh, period in history. You know, we think of the crucible and we think of the, the sense of accusation, the screaming back and forth, right? All of that. And still it only killed 20 people, 12 people, uh, 20 people, right? And right. Pendle, which is... And here they're uh, almost only, only 12 died. Uh, apparently around two, uh, sorry, 500 executions for witchcraft between the early 15th and early 18th centuries. So basically the, the whole time that witchcraft was kind of a thing uh, in in uh, the UK, fewer than 500 executions. Mm. So the Pendle Witch Trials were 2% of the total of witch executions, you know, all over. Uh, well, by the way, historically, the two percent doesn't yeah. matter. It's just yeah, a slope historically, because here there's like way more. Yeah, it, it would be way. This is what I'm saying. This is how huge this would be in a historical context. Yeah, and you'd think that Thomas Potts would have mentioned it. So Thomas right. Potts is not well, potentially Bill Potts' ancestor, but um, <laughs> but wrote a book called "The Wonderful Discovery of Witches in the County of Lancaster." Okay. Which is the book that he, he was clerk to the court of these uh, of these assizes that tried these witches. So he wrote literally everything down. Wow! Uh, so we have and, so much detail. Thing, isn't the whole thing in this one that it's like erased though from the record, like at the end there? And so, well, yeah, that's that's the thing about the, the Slimehurst Crag uh, trials, right? A sort of erased from the record, but Pendle Hill, yeah. uh, I guess, continues. I guess because the the executions were. Diverted. One of them took place in York, and the other in Lancaster. The others were all Lancaster yeah. for uh, for legal reasons. Um, but yeah, it's weird, and it does tie into James the First. It's the interesting thing because, so you know, imagine you've got a mad king. <laughs> I know this is hard for America <laughs> to imagine. Lightly mad king. <laughs> <laughs> a lightly mad king. But basically, imagine you've got a king who really believes witchcraft is a thing. Right. Uh, or witch hunts is a thing. Imagine a leader who keeps ranting about witch hunts. <laughs> uh, I know it's impossible for Americans to imagine that. But just just try. Just stretch your imaginations. Yeah, I think uh, I do uh, what you're doing here. <laughs> you see what I'm doing here? Um, yeah, so, so King James was Not everything sort of, is about Trump, Chris. I'm just kind of... Oh, isn't it, though? Isn't it? Um, it's sort of infected all right. portions of our brain. That's kind of the point. Um, but yes, so so King James, you know, it is... And the show, The Witchfinders, does an excellent job of kind of explaining King James's history uh, and why he would be so... Why he has such PTSD around witches, right? He's so, so anti-witch. And what is the reason? Well... You know, it's that he's constantly in danger of assassination. It's absolutely mm. true. Um, and yeah, yeah. and I feel like that was like I didn't quite buy it at first, mm-hmm. uh, especially on first watching. That he's kind of like the king, but he's kind of wandering around on his own, and mm. that that was always weird to yes. me. You know, yes. um, but on second watching and sort of getting like more vibe from him and and feeling 
like I, I he's like I travel incognito. So you buy mm. into that level, and he's not totally alone, of course. Um, and he's yeah, he has Alfonso. Team. Yeah, he has the he. That's it, Alfonso. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't place it before, but the um, I, I I thought it made more sense this time. And if you think about just even back then, uh, you know the pomp and circumstance that we associated with the the royalty today, you know, was mm. probably a nascent form, and and you just didn't have. Uh, you know, massive processions wherever royals went. You know, it was just kind of a. Uh, I mean, maybe they did like in, in some context, but I, I like well, this idea. He's a stealthy king. You've you've definitely you've hit on something that that bothered me too. Yeah. Uh, I think it's right. I think it's right to be confused about that. Not only from from a purely historical perspective, which is yeah, you know, obviously the king would travel with a larger retinue. And you sort of have signs of a retinue in the yeah, background of some that. scenes. Yeah. You're sort of not sure whose retinue they are, right? Um, but definitely, like, it just doesn't make sense internally for such a paranoid king to travel uh, with with such a small uh, entourage. Like, well, with not an entourage, with one dude. And and the, when when he showed up in his mask. I, I don't know about you, but I got, since we've been there recently, Mark of the Rani vibes, where the master is sort of like trying to do this inept disguise. Like, and everyone knows right. he's the master. Like, why would you even bother? Yeah, it, with King James, it doesn't seem right. I'm going to say that it's probably a function of his late emergence in the script. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it just, it struck me throughout. Why is he alone? It's one of mm. these things where you either buy it or you don't. I think the first time it mm. bothered me too much. This time I went with it because there is logic to it, right? Like if you're actually really trying to avoid, and this is kind of what I was trying to get at earlier, where if you're really trying to avoid uh, being seen or knowing where you are, you're, you're essentially like, you're, you're reducing your presence to this footprint that everyone would think that couldn't be the king because the mm. only, he would travel with a hundred guys, but he travels yeah. with only a few guys. So it's like, well, no one, like, you know, no one's going to think. But of course, once he sort of unmasks himself, literally, this is where this doesn't make sense anymore because it's like, well, wait a minute. Now, now you're not saying like, I'm, you know, yeah. Joe Blow, which guy I'm like, I'm the king. Well, now that you've said that, everyone's going to know you're the king. Yeah. You should probably call in your entourage. Yeah, it just like, I mean, you know, it definitely in this time, Tudor monarchs, Stuart monarchs, they would all travel with entourages. They were all terrified of assassination. Uh, with very good reason. I mean, it is amazing that James survived as long as he did with the the gunpowder plot, uh, especially, you know, we all know about Guy Fawkes. Um, mm. <laughs> ironically, because of the mask. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was a super paranoid king, totally would have traveled with an entourage. Doesn't make sense, even given what we know about him in the show. And the other interesting thing is, so love, love Alan Cumming, love him love him to death. In fact, I'm going to make an obscure Alan Cumming reference to prove this, which is that I love the show. If you can dig it out anywhere, you're, you're a better internet searcher than I am. It's called The High Life. And it was a BBC sitcom from the mid-90s in which Alan Cumming plays a, a air steward uh, on an airline that's going back and forth between London and Edinburgh. You know, he's obviously, you know, playing it in his uh, home accent, his Scottish accent, which is, again, by the way, great, great reason to play James, who was originally a Scottish king. Um, but once you choose Alan Cumming for this role, you kind of know what you're going to get, right? right. It's going to be a bit comedy um, yeah. because he is so good at that. He's just like a twinkle in his eye can make you laugh. 
mm-hmm. that's just the astonishing acting chops of this guy. And if you stick him in a beard and a twirly mustache like that, like you <laughs> yeah. absolutely know what you got. You're going to get comedy. So this is a, it's a comedy is version of King issue, James. Though? Well, here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. So we've seen it in the context of the Romans mm-hmm. recently, right? We went to the Romans, the Hartnell historical right, with Nero with Nero yeah. definitely played by a comedian played for laughs played as a comic thing but also at the same time here like you're trying to do this deadly serious point where the doctor is co- talking to James about his obsession with witches uh and the doctor's like trying to make a serious historical point and we sort of feel for the doctor because she is you know, uh, for the first time, she's encountering the danger that a woman would face in in this era. And she sort of, you know, uh, says it expressly, like, oh, my God, if I was a bloke uh, at one point, just like, oh, I was a bloke, this wouldn't even be a problem. Uh, You know, it's a a revelation for her in her her new body. Uh, And uh, so it's kind of got this serious cast to it, right? Because there's there's a lot of serious issues to be be dealt at here. And can can a, a pr- primarily comedy role pull that off? I think he does. Um, I I really liked uh, the way Alan Cumming plays it because it's not played consistently um, for laughs throughout. And I think the moment, it's actually not quite the moment where the doctor's talking to him, but it's a little later. So first he comes in, and he's super funny, and mm. some of the some of the amusement comes at, at, at his lines about sexism, and we'll we'll mm-hmm. that. I love the one line where he's like, "Oh, using your innate aptitude for nosiness and gossip." Yes, I it's, love uh, that. It's a great line. But then there is later when the doctor is actually on trial. Well, she's she's being drowned, or she's about mm-hmm. to be drowned, right? And he he really does like Alan Cumming. His face in that moment, mm. I thought was perfect because he's clearly been affected by his you know his conversation with the doctor and what's happening and he he seems really uneasy and is you know the fam comes up and gets them you know like tries to convince them to to bring him up and he he Mm. even seems like within the timing of the script like trying to get her out before you know relatively quickly like i know in, in tv it's timing is like he kind of like he's not okay with it and yeah. I got that loud and clear, and I, I thought that was uh, that was a good moment. So I think I, I think it it, it kind of has its cake and eats it too, right? Like it, <laughs> there's enough of both sides of it here that it 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 again levels everything up with this great comedic performance from from Alan Cumming. But then he yeah. he has an experienced enough actor to to know when to not do that. And he he can switch it. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying that he is at fault here, or that he acts comedy in those in those scenes that are supposed to be serious. I think he does. He does switch. I think what it is is a bit of a whiplash for the audience, hmm. right? Yeah. Because we're we're sort of so much is going on that we're kind of primed to reduce things to shorthand. And one of the things is, oh, this is comedy King James the first. Yeah. Uh, right. So it feels Beautiful. like it just needs another scene. And maybe this is another reason to take the Morax out of it, right? Make it a pure historical. Yeah. Yeah. Totally yeah. And you'd have more room for the, for those kinds of scenes. Um, we should also mention that he, in the, in that first scene, he definitely takes a shine to Ryan. <laughs> and uh, we are led to understand that the shine is more than just, you know, he likes to collect, uh, protectors we are uh, this is a case where i'd love to go into the quarter here yes with you. <laughs> <And> <laughs> how, how accurate is this is this uh it's accurate 
Yeah. It, it is accurate. Uh, James, actually, one of the reasons that he got into trouble as a king in Scotland and was almost assassinated for this was that he did have a lover mm. uh, who was a man. Uh, he was forced to then marry a, a Danish princess. It's actually interesting. It was a lot where, where he got his um, uh, anti-witchcraft uh, intelligence from was was that it was a thing in Denmark uh, where the uh, the queen that he married and you know had had three kids with was from from Denmark and didn't like the witches so much didn't didn't like the witches so well he, he went when he was in Denmark and also when he was in Norway because interesting fact like the the queen sailed for the wedding she sails from Denmark she's supposed to hit Scotland there's rough seas she lands in Norway the king goes over to Norway supposedly the most romantic thing he ever did in his life to mm. like you know retrieve his queen from the rough North Sea um, <laughs> and so he goes over there as well and, and I guess you know that the witchcraft is in the air as well in, in Norway so he's like picking up a lot of this uh, the terminology and the uh, the interest in it um, but yeah he definitely he liked he liked men as well as women we, we know that for sure we know that uh, one of the things that his his favorite was accused of was was sort of you know being an older man basically manipulating this young king because he was you know uh as we know from from the witchfinders like his mother mary queen of scots was executed when he was very young his his father died in in violent circumstances as a revenge killing uh happens, like this happens yeah. all the time in doctor who man <laughs> it really <laughs> does so he's like a great doctor who character for that right. reason perhaps the you know the best reason to kind of introduce him as the first king the first english king in doctor who um but he, yeah, so he, you know, he had this terrible, terrible regency as a kid, and everyone was trying to manipulate him, and that's that's one of the uh, one of the you know the strikes against this favorite of his. But yeah, yeah you can certainly believe that he uh, would kind of then um, suppress that, as it were, that desire into a uh, an special love for his bodyguards, right? And then yeah. liking to, I think, what he calls a Nubian prince. Oh, yeah. my new prince, yes. Yeah. Ryan. Ryan I love how Ryan him. deals with that. Yeah, yeah, he does him down at the end. There's a lovely scene at the end that where he's like, well, would you, Ryan, would you like to come back to London with me? And the TARDIS team is all like looking at Ryan, not like, well, would you <laughs> yeah, like man. to come with us? It's like, dude, are you are you into this? Like, if you're into this, whatever, you know, go with him. Yeah. You know, we're not going to judge. Um, yeah. and, and Ryan, Ryan lets him down very gently. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely masterclass in like how to. Someone asks you out, you're not into them. Just you know, stick an stick an eye brooch on them. <laughs> so, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> yep. Well, I think you made the right choice. Um, so, in, in going back to the scene where King James sort of uh, puts his sexism on full display to yeah. um, Jodie Whittaker, that's obviously mm -hmm. a big sort of theme of the episode where it's kind of like the first time that we're, we're she, the doctor being a woman isn't just relevant. It's like mm. being her in danger and that she, you know, obviously wouldn't be probably accused of her witchcraft. I mean, I guess maybe might've been with that sonic screwdriver. Um, mm. It becomes an issue. And certainly like, because of the psychic paper, um, the, she's no longer the witch finder general in the King's eyes, just the witch finders assistant which it's kind of an interesting thing in terms of like how the psychic paper works. Cause that's not really helping. 
<laughs> I love the psychic coder. paper in this. Is this our first but, encounter in in pull to open history with the psychic paper? Uh, no. We we talked about it in the Idiot's Lantern. Okay, he uses that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He uses it as an inspector at the door of the of the yeah. dumb guy who is uh, uh, not not beating up his daughter. Yeah, he's the, kind of again yeah. well, another yeah. historical villain that's mm. played for laughs is the the father there. But um, how did you like how that worked in terms of like the weaving the doctor's gender into this in a um, you know, in a way that makes a point, but is also relevant to the plot. I thought I thought they pulled it off pretty well. I agree. I agree, and I think that it's it's a very interesting choice to go to the the one sort of area of history where everyone sort of knows witch trials, right? It, it's sort of a sure. shorthand that if you've never studied history, you've still heard of the witch trials, right? Well, it's maybe like. What you were just talking about earlier and how they just spread mm. like wildfires. Like, this is a good idea. Every society yeah. on Earth says, originally <laughs> around the same time, even though there's no internet, it's like, you well, know, kill I mean, the witches. It, it does. So the Salem witch trials were what, 1692? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it took a while to get to the New World. So, yeah, 1692, 1693. The Pendle witch trials were 1612. Mm. So, yeah, it did. Uh, you know, it's it's instant in <laughs> in uh, 17th century terms, right? Uh, <laughs> things did take a while. You know, you had to establish the colonies yeah. first, and then. Uh, but yeah, it was a very 17th century thing. <laughs> the people here in Lancashire, are like you guys, are still doing witch trials. Come on, man! Oh, God. So like seven years ago, yeah, it's like wearing flared trousers. It's so over. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's definitely a shorthand that we all know. So to drop the doctor into that, especially after we've seen Rosa, you know, which is the right. primary uh, innovation of Rosa is to say finally what, what should have been said all along, which is that companions of color are going to have a hard time right. in the past. It's just going to happen, especially with the doctor's love for going into English history. Uh, <laughs> that's going to happen. Um, but what is also going to happen, and it's interesting that the doctor hadn't thought about this because she does... In, in Rosa, she makes a reference to, I'm still not used to being described as a woman, mm -hmm. right? You, you would, you would take a while to, to get used to that. But here we are uh, going to the one area of history and the one situation in history where it would be most difficult to be a woman. Yeah. Um, and it isn't necessarily, okay, let, let's, let's have another segment from the corner here, because I'm going to argue that we're looking at the wrong thing here. It's not about the witch trials. Witch trials, when you actually do it by the numbers, like, yes, it was, you know, often used to shut women up, as as the show right. says. It was a misogynistic tool. Which is what Becker Savage is doing to some extent. Yeah, sure. but not nearly enough as the ducking stool was. Mm -hmm. Now, the ducking stool was used, you know, outside of witch trials quite a lot. Okay. And definitely used disproportionately for women. Uh, for scolds, as mm. as you know, women who spoke out were called quite often. Um, it was previously called the cucking stool. Uh, like ducking is a bit of a corruption. It was called the cucking stool because it. Okay, pull to open listeners. I hope you're not eating at the moment. But uh, there was a hole in the bottom of the stool, which is why it was called the cucking stool, because there uh, is a word that i in in northern english that i knew growing up called cack or cacking as in cacking yourself um which comes from the danish 
you know, it's it's basically it's crap. It's the equivalent of crap, right? So it's <laughs> the the idea is you you would sit on the stool and you'd be so afraid that you would you would defecate. I um, see. Okay. Yes, that is the origin of it, and it was. Oh, I've never wanted to leave the history corner so, so much. <laughs> but let's go ahead and finish the finish the thought. Yeah, so it is. It does date back to the 13th or 14th century. No. It goes back to way before the witch trials. Um, you know, the witchcraft. Just just to bring in James the First for a second. Part of the reason that the Pendle witch trials happened and that there was such a big thing was that you know because James had written about witchcraft in this book it was so the whole english legal system was trying to adapt to him mm-hmm. it's been like oh, oh okay we're we're, we're uh, arresting riches which is now okay uh i guess we'll like you know you have all these ambitious local officials saying oh i i understand right. your majesty what like, do we have want... what do we have around that we could help help king yeah. james here? oh the cucking school stool let's uh let's yeah. do some adjustments there and use it for the witches great awesome <laughs> get to work exactly Exactly. So it's using the tools that are already there. Um, but also, interestingly enough, King James did attend witch trials himself, and not yeah. the Pendle ones, I believe. But he also kind of had a bit of a, a come-to-Jesus moment, as it were. He uh, he kind of realized that there wasn't a lot of evidence being presented at yeah. these trials. And he would point that out himself, yeah. uh, which I'm sure the local officials were like, you know, Make up your mind, dude. <laughs> are there witches or are there not witches? Just tell uh, us. Yeah, yeah, it's like when the CEO crashes your meeting. <laughs> it says like one word about something. You're like, well, I guess we're doing that now. Okay, great. Yeah, the CEO uh, walks in, pops his head around the door, just goes, "Witches!" Closes the door again. I was like, "Okay, guess we're guess we're arresting witches that's now." What we're doing now. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, now that we've we've talked about the cucking stool, I think I think we're we're done with the quarter. <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> There's more to come out, but let's transition yeah, away yeah, from yeah. the we'll, quarter. We'll come back when we cleaned it up. A bit. But <laughs> the um, I, I gotta say, one of the things that struck me about this episode, I think it's a great episode for the fam in general. And yeah, I really like what's one of the best lines. And could almost be a tagline for the fam is it's a very flat team structure. Yes, I love that line. Graham and the Doctor, uh, definitely one of my favorite lines of the era. Um, I, I could almost see that on a poster. You know, it's a very flat mm. team structure with the four of them. Um, so, but it, I think the script. Speaking of things that the CEO might pop his head around the door and say, <laughs> yeah, there you go. He just pointed everyone in the conference going, especially with such a team structure. It is. It's also such a modern line, right? Like, yes, this is historical, but it is like this is that's well, you know, generally things are these days. More effective uh, companies do have very yeah. team structures. So, I love the way Judy says it. Like, uh, she, it, it is her line, and and the others say it. They pick it up, and that's part of the joke. But the way she says it, very flat team structure. <laughs> you know, it just it sounds so great in her voice. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, like what you know, Graham says is actually very true, and like everybody mm. has like their own specialty, and they sort of each take on a role or a task mm. here. And it's actually you know, it's not just making busy work; that all sort of fitting with the character. Where yeah. Graham sort of like by default, sort of the, the almost the father figure, especially when the Doctor is sort of depowered a bit by King James, and take even says the line right, and so. Mm. Um, it's almost like, in a sense, the man behind the woman. Uh, yeah, in his, he, which his is a role trade. he played in Rosa as well, right? Yeah. He was like, you know, I guess I'm, guess I'm your husband, like in the, in the hotel room when the cop shows up. Totally. 
Yeah. And Yaz, I mean, like, she's a cop, right? So mm. it makes total sense. Like, okay, go off and investigate and find out what's really going on here. And she, you know, Yaz is a good cop, not just because she has those skills, but she can connect with someone like Willa. Mm. Um, and so that feels very natural, very good. And Ryan probably has sort of the least to do, so to speak, but with his sort of back and forth with the king, which mm. and I think is earned that I think that last scene where you'd invite him is earned. It's not out of nowhere because Ryan is sort of with him a lot. There's there's some exchanges and um and even though and I think Tozen Cole actually does does a good job mm. um, he does. of 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 bringing that to bear here in this. So um yeah so it, it all really, you can tell at this point in the season this is like episode eight Mm. Uh, they're they're getting good at writing for this team you know it's hard right because this is like yeah. the biggest hardest team we've had since the classic series and yeah yeah and we've seen a lot of those with the, the turlo and and uh you know we've seen, we've had so many episodes with with turlo and tegan and uh, uh nissa or adric and tegan and nissa right yeah it yeah, is one always gets you know marginalized it's just the nature there's only so mm. much time but um i think he, and i think in this season unfortunately like there is like you, you, it does feel crowded sometimes mm. they don't they don't do as well as they do here at having everyone do something and have that sort of naturally fit within the script and the character so yeah. a lot of points to witch finders for just like not padding things and still making sure you're using your cast to the full potential yeah. yeah, and it, I, to your point, I think everyone in the fam has a specific role in the script or comes to a great line in the script because of the roles mm. that they're ascribed. Uh, we've talked about Ryan's role with the king of like, you know, gently, gently refuting the king, but also kind of talking through stuff with him. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's a great necessary um, foil in the script. Uh, Graham has that great line with Becca Savage where he's sort of like on the most basic moral level. This is what Graham is great for. He's, he's kind of naive sometimes, but on the most basic moral level, he has unimpeachable arguments, right? And he, he there's that great moment where he's like, why are you drowning all these women? Um, you know, and she's like, they're not good. And she's like, how many of, he's like, how many of us are? Are you good? Are mm. you good, Miss Savage? And she cannot answer him. Yeah. She, I, she just sort of walks oh, away like, you know, my conscience is clear. Yeah. Yeah, are, you, yeah. are you a good person? Like that's a wonderful, wonderful Graham way of saying it, and really, really drives it home. And then Yaz's role is to basically talk about her experience of having been bullied mm-hmm. as a kid, right? And that's a great scene where she tells Willa about that time that she was bullied, and it kind of cuts through to exactly why Willa is afraid of speaking out here. Mm-hmm. You know, why was something like this allowed to happen? Well. You know, both in the case of the witch trials and the ducking stool, it was because not enough people stood out. You know, a, a mob mentality was allowed to develop. If you don't speak up, then this sort of thing is going to happen. And if yeah. you don't speak up, it's because you're afraid of bullies. Yeah, and it makes total sense that um, Yaz would have something that's resonant in her life. I mean, again, you've got some good character development here. I mean, you get mm. uh, a little bit more depth into Yaz and her past and probably why she became a cop, or at least part of the reason. Mm. And, you know, it's all sort of played out here. Obviously, not as much going on for Yaz as in, say, Demons in the Punjab, but, you know, they're still finding mm. finding the nuggets and they're coming out, and it's good. And that line from Graham, you're dead on. And honestly, I think he's the one person in the fam, even including the doctor, who could really like give that line the most sort of gravitas and like really mm. have it uh, like he just, you know, Graham just is this kind of like 
the wise sort of grandpa and you don't you don't kind of don't want to disappoint him you know like I, I <laughs> yeah think like although whitaker could have the line it's like there's a harder edge to it when it's sometimes it's coming from the doctor um yeah, yeah. So in other words like it's the doctor's she, less of an innocent yeah for sure. yeah i mean you, you would she wouldn't you wouldn't she wouldn't have quite the same reaction she'd be more on their defensive and i think uh graham just the, the way he is you you naturally kind of want to connect with him and so yeah, yeah it works yeah, it totally works, and I think that. Uh, what, what do you think, by the way, about Graham's hat, <laughs> the the Witchfinder <laughs> hat that gets passed around? Uh, it sort of feels like they're using it as a comedy item, but then he kind of ceremoniously gives it to the, to the Doctor at the end, and it's like the Doctor yeah. is now the Chief Witchfinder or something, right? Yeah, I'm kind of a fan of hats as being sort of emblematic <laughs> of things, uh, you know. I mean, they are, and and uh, I think. I this is a sort of device that get has been used a few times where in various things and the one that I always sort of think about because uh, I saw it as a kid and it really stuck with me was a young Sherlock Holmes so you kind of like mm. there's a point in that movie where Holmes as a, you know he's like a teenager he puts on the deerstalker mm. looks like a goofball like you're just like everyone's just shaking their heads like dude no you never wear that <laughs> and at the end it's like the la one of the last lines right. as he's pulling away in the carriage he puts it on again and just by you know it's probably not even the same hat in terms of the production but he looks better it looks more apt and more appropriate given everything that happened and interesting um, yeah just to draw a doctor who connection uh, as we do with everything on pull to open uh stephen moffat did the same thing with um with sherlock right uh there's well not necessarily the same thing because he puts on the deer stalker in uh one episode for for the press like this gaggle of photographers saying hey put this hat on and you'll look cool right. in it. and he does <laughs> so it's kind of reference there but yeah with yeah. with this i don't know it just sort of do you watch uh, what we do in the shadows uh no do not. great show great show highly recommended we, very, we talked about this before i don't know very <laughs> funny <laughs> but there's there's a recurring witch's hat in that that matt berry's character is just inexplicably enamored with this hat that brings incredibly bad luck mm. uh but he just thinks he looks really good in it <laughs> it looks exactly like this hat <laughs> you know it's the same shape as this hat that graham and the doctor are passing around which is the thing that <sighs> So we mentioned this with Battlefield, right? That it's sort of how much do you can you take a area of history that's been used so comprehensively as a figure of fun in so many things? And, the witch trials. Uh, the witch trials. Well, specifically, I'm going to mention. I'm wearing my Monty Python T-shirt today. Oh, the 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 dead parrot. Uh, as mm. a reference to the fact that you cannot cannot. Possibly. If you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you cannot watch The Witchfinders without thinking of the sketch that I had to... It was the next thing I queued up on my YouTube, right? Was the, the she's a witch burner sketch right. in the Holy Grail, which, oh my God. I mean, it just... like There's a ducking stool in that too. Like It's such a right. part of uh, TV culture, comedy culture, um, you know, movie culture, I guess. Uh, that scene, particularly, like you know, the the whole weird logic of it, right? Uh, what do witches? What do we want witches to do? We want them to float. Why do they float? Because they're made of wood. You know, that, that's a Terry Jones being that wonderful well, sort of pseudo scientist. There, yeah, I think uh, what there's some. I mean, there's an inherent absurdity to witch trials, right? And they yeah. say it multiple times in that, like, okay. 
you know, you'll die if you're dead, you're guilty and you'll die if you're innocent. Right. Like, so it looks like, has no one <laughs> like mm. thought that through? Like, you know, like, what do you, this is, you're just killing people, you know? So uh, as horrific as they are, there is this thing that is just so absurd and dark, uh, darkly absurd that you, you have, you can make fun of it. Uh, mm. It's also one of those things where there's such a distance where, you know, it's it's almost like in the air. So you could you could do it sort of both ways in terms of like obviously there's been serious depictions of witch trials before, horror depictions, and the just thinking off the top of my head, the the uh, Blair Witch Project. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you can, mm-hmm. you can do all that stuff. That's true. And uh, so you could you could flip it, but I think there's a fascination with it uh, when you have these uh, just horrific crimes, and you just think, how did people? think that way and you kind of have this you know like well let's let's depict it somehow to sort of try to understand it better mm-hmm. um and you can you can do a number of different ways with it but it is more okay to do comedy since there is such a distance from it now like obviously no one's uh who who w- went through this is alive or you know, yeah. generation past you couldn't really do the same thing with you know a modern day uh even even you know the holocaust who uh, is like yeah, let's not even yeah. go there right you know what i mean like it's it's but the more the further away you get from something the more you can kind of do things with it i mean the, the thing about that sketch and and that may be the reason why it's so resonated and is used in other circumstances now is because it sort of stands in for mob mentality right yeah uh, uh king mob you know all of that uh which is the thing and it's definitely uh, I'm going to make another <laughs> reference here and ask you: Have you ever heard of a game called Werewolf? A game called Werewolf? Yeah, it's sort of a. Well, the, 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 there are different versions game? of it. It's oh. it's also called Mafia. It's a game you play with a lot of people, okay. uh, often around a campfire, something like that. Where, like two in in Werewolf, it's you are all villagers, but two of you are secretly werewolves. Okay. And night falls, and everyone closes their eyes. It's like a games master running this, and then uh, the the people who are werewolves open their eyes, point at someone. That person is dead; they're out of the game. And then everyone wakes up, and the villagers have to decide who they're going to hang as a werewolf. <laughs> right? So, can it be no one? <laughs> it can't be no one. You have to hang someone. That's the rules of the game. You have to hang someone every night, and the werewolves win if they are alive at the end of the game. Yeah. Right, okay. so it is inherent on the werewolves to spread concern paranoia. and doubt and paranoia, and to point a finger at their, uh, you know, maybe their significant others who are playing the game, or like anyone, <laughs> they they feel like they just want to kill off, or it's who like would among be us. an easy sell. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> how you used to do Among Us when you didn't have iPhones. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I played games of Werewolf that were reminded me very much of the Crucible, you know, uh, sure. of that sort of sense of a rising mob mentality and, you know, the desire for a scapegoat. Well, The Thing, then, a very similar yeah. depiction, yep. like one of my favorite all-time movies, um, you know, some, some, <laughs> some of you must still be human. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd all just attack me, et cetera. So you kind of, but you got to figure it out. You can't just. Can't just go. Okay, we'll be fine. Nope, the, yeah. the wolves will spread and kill everyone. That's kind of the, the Cold yeah. War version, right? You know, the Reds under the beds kind of phenomenon. You know, very much the same thing. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, so this has been covered, and it's almost become a cliche. This this idea of the mob mentality of you know, burn the witch, burn her, uh, and either you do it in an uber serious way, like the Crucible, 
mm-hmm. famous Arthur Miller play, or you kind of do it comedy like Monty Python does. And again, the Witchfinder seems to want to have it both ways. Right. Um, and just to so, but you thought that worked or that didn't work? Because I thought it worked that it sort of has it both ways in that. Yeah, I think uh, it does. I think it does. Because um, it, it levels up the entertainment, gets you to you know, lean in, pay attention, delight in the things Alan Cummings is doing and what the fam is sort of doing mm-hmm. to deal with this situation, uh, which has its lighter moments. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I guess yeah. It, I just take it back to like we need more. If we're going to be switching in this whiplash wave between comedy and, and extremely serious, uh, as we do in the ducking stool scenes, like it, it just needs more. We need a bit more yeah. time. And this is, it's telling. And sort of as we wrap up here, like we have not mentioned the Morax since the mm. very beginning and that exactly. whole plot. It's really extraneous. I, I think uh, uh, where, where we're arriving is that they really should have made this appear historical and just forgot mm-hmm. about the alien plot and uh, given us more there. Um, again, you might have, uh, you might have like, I don't know, turned off some of the younger viewers are waiting for uh, mm. uh, an alien plot, but I think... But also, some of the younger viewers might be able to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do it one time, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. do a historical one time. Try it. I hope yeah. Russell Davies thinks about it. Like, I would would love to see, like, a return to some kind of pure historical, because I think this they if they had followed through and done it here, I think it would have been really a tour de force. As such, it's kind of like, oh, it's a pretty good plot uh, and then kind of loses something once the mm. alien mask comes off again. Honestly, I, I'd be surprised if RTD does it. I think we may have missed sure. our best chance. Yeah, uh, I feel like Chibnall was the best chance for a pure historical that the show's had in a long time. And, He's a man uh, of the corner, but Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Chris, if you're listening, please leave a review. Let us know what you think of the uh, history corner. Um, listen, we cannot get out of this podcast without answering some questions. Yes. And those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. Yes, the first question. I feel like we've we've answered a fair amount of so far. Which yeah. is why did the randomizer take us here? Um, which you know we've talked about the historical connection, the within the same season connection, getting a lot of Whitaker. Um, what else? What else do you think, Pete? What think else? It, what it, are it, other reasons? Randomizer just knows us so well. It's like you got to get your Whitaker fix before the. This is special. We got it. We got to get back in the groove of like, what is Doctor Who right now? Again, yeah. we're not going to do the centenary special until it actually comes up in the randomizer. After right, the until we get number 302 yeah. in the randomizer. But I think, you know, the, the Rosa thing we mentioned of the peril of uh, people of color mm. with the doctor in history, this being the doctor in peril because of that, that, that connection came through loud and clear. So I think, you know, that is the through line for me in the randomizer. Also like, you know, Whitaker stuff, maybe a little underrated, you know, in that first season, I think maybe we are lucky about going to the good ones, but I think we're getting more out of it this time. And, you know, I, I, I think it probably series 11 probably deserves a second look (laughs) in the order we're doing it. (laughs) It it is. I'm going to, going to say for, for a third time in these last two shows that I really want to watch Demons of the Punjab now. It just sort of seems like the natural, natural next step. I'm a big, Uh, almost like make a trilogy. I'm a big Kablam fan. So I would love to get there. Kablamazon. Yes. Yes. If you you take into account, like that's four episodes that 
Yeah. I think we're coming out like pretty solidly like in favor of, right? Like it's a solid run. Yeah. 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 yeah I think I think Whitaker <laughs> Whitaker is is like these are definitely better than we remember. I think now we're out of the fam phase. Yeah. You know, I think we can we can look back on the fam and see the ways in which it worked instead of maybe at the time we were a little focused on the ways in which they didn't. And also a lot of missed opportunities because a lot of this mm. spread so thin when you had these. Yeah. Problems. But I mean, you know, there these are good examples of, like I say, like bringing out the best of them, even if it is in nuggets. They may be the best examples and maybe sort of, uh, you know, again, we're kind of Monday morning quarterbacking here. But what if season 11 of the new show had just been entirely historical. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I, I would venture that the three strongest episodes uh, are uh, Rosa, Demons of the Punjab, and The Witchfinders. Mm. Um, and they're all historical. So what if, yeah, what if Chibnall had just leaned in to the historical? Yeah. This seems to be, it seems to be a good TARDIS team for that specifically. Yeah. They all have bring their own ideas and, and you know uh prejudices and responses to prejudices uh that, that would occur in time travel so in some universe yeah. there's a series 11 that is yeah all historical all the time season right? 11b <laughs> <laughs> right the second question to doomsday is what if the evil plot had succeeded so mm, this requires mm. us to identify the evil plot and in this case there's probably more than one um, I feel yeah. like is it Morax's plot or yeah. is it King James's plot? Well, um, easily, you know, do the Morax thing in thirty seconds mm -hmm. because yeah, just straightforward Doctor Who take over the world stuff, right? Like that's really boring. Like the Morax plot succeeds; they'll uh, infect King James. James, you know, with his influence, lets them helps them conquer Earth and make it the center of whatever their prisoners mm -hmm. or whatever this evil emperor empire. You know, history over, mm -hmm. blah blah blah. Mm. Does he though? Does he allow me to do a Thor gif? Does he though? Does he? Is it? Is it? Is it, is it really? Does he really take over? I don't know. I mean, first of all, remember James was so often on the edge of assassination. Now, right. if he's Mud King, yeah, well, he'd be <laughs> assassinated, right? Was that he'd be resistant to assassination if he's taken over? I guess anti Morax torches that the Doctor creates or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, maybe they'll find uh, remnants of the tree, which, uh, yeah, the, the the tree turning into, like, you can chop up the tree and turn make torches out of it. Okay, I guess. So maybe that just becomes some quest for someone to kill yeah. the malevolent King James. So it becomes like this Sauron, Lord of the Rings final battle with him, which is kind of a cool history, yeah. new history of the... <laughs> Of the 17th century, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, I, I like that again. Alternate history, but it would probably only take place in the UK, right? Again, uh, how how do you go from just having your mud infect a king to conquering the planet in the 17th century? Well, presumably, if they have some technology knowledge of some kind. Mm. Um, you would think. I mean, they seem to have retained their memories, even though their doctor says at one point they were, they were just DNA, which is weird. Um, I mean, I in in the spirit of season eleven, I'm going to have to say that the, the the Morax would have to use the power of prejudice, because the one thing that British people were more afraid of at this time, other than a mud king, was Catholics. <laughs> 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 you know, if yeah, if you got if it. 
Yeah, King James is on the throne, and like he's covered in mud now, and the mud is weird, and it's sort of shifting and oozing all over his face. But at least he's not a Catholic. Mm. Like, let's go. You know, and you can start a war of religion on that basis because you've got to completely distract from his weird appearance. Um, You know, yeah. So I guess that's the evil plot. Does does the Doctor die in this evil plot? Um, uh, that's a good question. I guess I if it is, if King James's plot is the evil plot, then the Doctor probably dies. Hmm. Because yeah. then it's like you know that's that's succeeding. So the Doctor goes into the water as Jodie Whittaker, and comes out as Shooty Gatwa. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. The the, the chains were a little too tight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe this is a you know alternate universe in which the wet weekend with Houdini never happened. Right. Well, there you go. Then this this might answer our next question to Doomsday, which is (laughs) what? Well, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves because we we might want to consider another evil plot. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I was thinking like Becca's plot. Yeah, it's essentially the plot of them succeeding in just being which (laughs) terrible witch trial people and killing mm. the entire village and just like this everything ends up with the king leading even harder into his anti-witch craziness mm. and then it's sort of a darker version of the 17th century um which would be bad for everybody yeah yeah i mean it, 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 witch trials to that extent it would be would be kind of interesting it's the extent of wiping out a whole village which mm. I'm, I'm gonna throw in one last uh couplet from history corner on the cucking stool because there was a joke in poor robin's almanac in 1746 uh, which said now if one cucking stool was for each scold some towns i fear would not their numbers hold huh. uh, <laughs> which is wow. you know immensely yep. sexist joke basically um kind of but also kind of saying like hey you know uh, if this were repeated if you really literally did this for what you intended to use it for, like maybe some towns wouldn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah. The, yeah, the town yeah. is disbanded. Yeah. It would be super tragic, but also mm. uh, like, obviously, but the, like, I would just think like if the King, you know, he seems to be, if not persuaded by the doctor, at least like mm. his, his anti-witch crusade seems a bit mitigated by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if for that sure. doesn't happen, then it's you know you you just have this uh dark cloud uh, that gives us sort of an alternate history where just maybe progress doesn't even uh, yeah. happen in quite the same way or same well it seems way. it seems like the doctor has mitigated his belief in witchcraft except for when the doctor then takes off in a time machine in his face <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> She did say, you know, this is sufficiently advanced technology. Like, you got, you no, know, it's like, that's just all no, it is. Yeah, she brings in the Arthur C. Clarke reference, which yeah. is great. We got to love that. Isn't it also used in Battlefield? Isn't that another reason for the randomizer to bring us here? The Arthur C. Clarke quote? Uh, maybe. I just remember that one never clarifying that whether, what, how the magic works or if it really is magic. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the sort of weaknesses of it. I believe uh, they use the, yeah. use the Arthur C. Clarke quote quote which is interesting to talk to kind of stealing from itself right um but yeah yeah i mean also is isn't it kind of a bit reckless to take a king that is kind of you know we we know that he believes in witchcraft we know that willa has sort of been accused of witchcraft 
Right. The TARDIS takes off in his face. He's standing next to Willa. Are you sh- are you absolutely sure he's not going to scapegoat her for this weird right. witchcraftiness? Yeah, just thinking like he's literally just done it. <laughs> like that, that they were he was completely fooled by a bunch of witches, and now it's like, yeah. all right. Well, this is also like I guess one of the issues I had um, with the story in that there's not enough clarity on uh like w- which side people are considering other people like when for example the doctor's accused of witchcraft obviously like why isn't why isn't the fam immediately rounded up and then mm. like, executed right like isn't there sort of a guilt by association there i felt like there's a bit of a a few too many plot contrivances that way where you're not sure how much peril the fam's in because the sides they're on whether they're in the king's good graces or becca savage's ally or not don't really seem to matter that much mm. you know they're still free and able to do things whereas i feel like if there really was this flip-flopping of allegiances that would have affected their ability to do things and have some physical consequences beyond you know they do obviously do it with the doctor but mm. um limited limited budget they could only yeah. afford one scapegoat yeah exactly <laughs> there you go so anyway. but also it's that kind of thing with mob mentality as well right you know well, you just need, just need the one it might explain a little bit this problem if we could figure out where the Clara Splinter is, which is right, the a third, third question, question mm-hmm. to Doomsday. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, you talked about the Doctor maybe escaping, or sorry, not escaping, and regenerating to Shudigatwa. Uh, maybe that doesn't happen because she loosens the chains a little bit. <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. Clara's under there with a scuba mask. Perhaps, uh, perhaps, or perhaps she's the one who sets the doctor up with Houdini. Mm-hmm. That's a good one uh, for for this wet weekend. Um, you can imagine Clara being on that too. Um, and we we don't know which regeneration this wet weekend takes place in, right? So it could have easily been a Capaldi era. It could actually not be the Clara Splinter, but Clara herself, the Impossible Girl herself, uh, arranging this uh, Houdini weekend. Mm. Uh, that we've never seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, mm. she's out there making sure all the pieces are in place. Um, uh, speaking of pieces, maybe she's the one who kind of spreads the idea that you know maybe you could use that tree, chop it into pieces, and ooh. like light light the end of it, and uh, that's how you can get rid of the morax. Yeah, that's better than a hello sweetie for sure to bring the doctor around. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. All I all I want to know is that she's not one of those other zombies because that would just not be not a good look for Clara. Yeah. <laughs> Although, don't you kind of want to see Jenna Coleman in that kind of I do, scary uh, yeah. gray makeup? I, Let's yeah. have her be the lead one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. exactly. All right, she makes makes a good witch. At the end of the day, what is this episode? Is it a Dalek, an Ogron, or a Viscount banger? Our rating system: Dalek, right? Good. Ogron, not so good. And Viscount banger. Kind of explains itself. This is yes. I, I feel like a royal episode should have a Viscount banger, but uh no, we we had the Viscount I decided that last week that to my mind Rosa was a Viscount banger. You've been giving him away, I, man. I've been give yeah, I you know, uh, I gave I it to it. Legopolis, which is not necessarily you know, which oh, we did. this is all subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but you know, but that was the last one before. So I still I feel know, like I'm being spectral of monsters. Don't read and, uh, <laughs> Carnival Monsters. Thank you. You're right. Definite Viscount banger. Um, yeah, but still, still, I feel like I'm being sparing, and for that reason, I'm not going to give a Viscount banger to the Witchfinders. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say it's a Dalek. 
Yeah, very competent Dalek. I think this yeah. is a very good. This is a Dalek that's very good at knowing what it's trying to do, and it just doesn't waste time. Um, you know, <laughs> screaming exterminate before it actually does the exterminate. It just gets right to it, which is good. It's also I would love to see a version of Witchfinder set in a village full of Daleks where they're just all extreme, screaming, burn her, burn her, burn her. <laughs> well, there were those religious Daleks in the uh, the new series for five seconds, so that would be a good opportunity. I got to say, like I say, I watch, these with, watch uh, all these episodes with my kids. I try to anyway. My son mm. really liked this one. At the end of the episode, mm. when he finished, he's like, wow, I really like that. He said he thought... Um, it, it just really was good at holding his attention that the morality presented like the dilemma, you know, that he'd like that. It wasn't just like evildoers and, and good guys hmm. and that, you know, there were issues with sort of the, the quote unquote establishment of, of hmm. uh, you know, of the village and King James um, and just really got him to think about that perspective. That's um, great. And he also just That's... thought the performances were really awesome. Like he was just super excited to to tell me how much he liked it after he finished. So so would Jack give it a Viscount banger? I don't know if he'd do that, but I think he would uh, well I'll, I'll have to check. He's he yeah. these, so I'm sure he'll let me know before next week. I love it. Um, I, I think we should uh, you know, if they're willing, if if the kids would like to include their ratings. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it would be it would be a great one. Could help resolve any ties yeah. that we have between us. Pretty sure uh, my daughter wouldn't, just because she was she was scared. She was scared by yeah, it. Yeah, it was good to watch with us. She's okay now. She's she's over the the Morlocks. Or she's all right. It was one still, day. It was one day. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. Morlocks, not, Morlocks. You can't even remember their names. <laughs> all right, we are moving on. We are Witchfinders and its slimy, muddy tendrils. <laughs> and uh, getting back in our time space vessel to find out where we're going next in this thing we call Doctor Who the TV series, which means Indeed. we activate the randomizer. That's right. It's time for the randomizer. Randomizer two components. Pete is looking at the codex, which is our list of 301, not yet 302 Star Wars stories. Uh, Star Wars <laughs> stories. Holy crap. Wrong podcast. Sorry, people. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. You're not... Cheating on us with another randomizer, are you? <laughs> There's a whole other podcast. I'm sorry to have to tell you this way, Pete. <laughs> no. We go through random episodes of like the Clone Wars and uh <laughs> <laughs> How long oh, is God. that spreadsheet? Yeah, Damn. seriously. Did you seriously. Special on there? <laughs> the holiday special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh god uh anyway no the, the codex is the random list of doctor who stories and then we navigate through the codex with a truly random device uh that is called random.org a device by the way uh, in the pendle witch trials it was basically two families at each other's throats one was the device family uh, oh, wow. and, one, and one was the nutter family if you've seen good omens <laughs> Uh, the the Neil Gaiman, uh, Terry Pratchett. Or if you've read the book, you know that there there is that continues the witch families of Device and Nutter up until the present day. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah, true fact. I used to be the editor of a site called Device. Oh, yeah, it was interesting. With it was no, just like, with no e because you had to misspell uh, everything back, yeah, back in those days. Yes. It's the only way to get the URL. 
the miracle of rare device. Um, well, those witch trials had you know reverberation. <laughs> this is this is why the randomizer took us here. Clearly, I mean, I so. I was just joking after watching the witch finders with my wife that uh, it would be a great name for a technology reporter if you had like a hyphenated name that's like both of those families together. Device nutter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a device nutter. Me. Um, Nobody grabs yes. the URL. I want it. Right. <laughs> device nutter. .com. <laughs> it's a very aggressive technology site. <laughs> uh, yes, right. random.org is our random element. It uses atmospheric noise rather than pseudo-random algorithms, which computers are very, very uh, known to do and are bad at doing. Uh, but this is so much more doctorish. We love it. It's been scaring us for years at this point. <laughs> uh, and uh, Pete, do we want to issue a challenge to the randomizer before I give us a random number between one and three hundred and one? We probably do, um, mm. and I'll just go it. I'll say it. Let's give us a pure historical. Mm. Do it. Wow, could be anything, uh, including Black Orchid. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna double down. But yeah. since the the randomizer gave us the closest it could find to a King Charles story, uh, literally the closest possible thing. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, go with confidence and say, give us demons of the Punjab. Whoa, look in at particular. you. I'm playing roulette with the randomizer. That's, right. That's not how it works. All my chips on one number. What? Well, I, we got to give, get some, maybe you win a prize if this actually happens. <laughs> yes. Can we, can we just make, pull to open like a gambling podcast at the same time? <laughs> can, can we do this? Uh, is it legal? Um, I think so, okay. You're, you're in the state of New Jersey and I hear that everything is legal in New Jersey. So probably <laughs> Except we can do. Except your own gas. You can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but we can do gambling. So uh, yeah, write in listeners yeah. if you. If you would like to see an actual pull to open book uh, on <laughs> the chances of various options, um, but yeah, Demons of the Punjab, do it, okay. do it, do it and be a legend. Let's find out if this is going to happen. You ready with uh, <laughs> yeah. the executor? I am ready with the executor. Random.org is ready to go when you give me a countdown. I will give you a countdown in five rels four, <laughs> three, two, one. Affirmative. 41. Whoa, it might have done it. It might have done it. No, Fury from the Deep. Oh. What? A very, very wet episode yeah, of yeah, Doctor yeah. Look at that. Is that, <laughs> that one was, that, there, there's an animated version of this, right? I'm not wrong about that, right? I don't know. It's completely missing, it says here. Um, yeah. Has there, oh, there been. You go. There is. There's an animated version. There is. Yeah, it was oh, from, uh, 2020. Twenty twenty. Oh, we were so close to our no, first yeah. completely missing story. Yeah, which is something we've asked the randomizer for in the past. Yeah, yeah. So it is. It was missing, and kind of technically still is. But they've animated it uh, to yeah. the to the audios that were preserved. So wow. Okay, this is huge. This is yeah. Uh, well, to Troughton. Not a pure historical. <laughs> not a pure but, historical it is a six episode one though so wow <laughs> you got your tlbw cut out for you next week sir yeah but yeah. also I'll have three minutes for it so yeah well <laughs> oh so, yeah and if there's a lot of running down corridors or i guess in this case uh offshore platforms i don't know mm, one of those. yeah north sea oil rigs yeah. yes so okay three from the deep coming up 
more Jamie, more Troughton. I guess uh, the randomizer got a taste back in the two doctors. And was like, yeah, hey, let's do more of that. Yeah. And there's, there's a target novelization. Maybe we'll dip into that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Lots of, lots of things, lots of resources. Well, we got there's, this one. We got it. Oh, there's also Tom Baker narrating an audio cassette version from 1993. Wow. See if we can track that yeah, down. You order that. <laughs> see if i can find that on the or dark maybe, web you know if someone out there just wants to send us it that's fine too but uh whatever whether you have a copy of fear of the deep or not we love to thank you for listening here to pull to open the podcast it is right we are a podcast it is a thing you subscribe mm. to so if you haven't yet please do in whatever app you like we're on all the good apps we're on overcast we're on spotify we're on obviously apple Podcasts, google podcast breaker everything pretty much anywhere you want to find podcasts we're there subscribe to us leave a review if you can uh follow us on social we're at pull to open on tiktok we're uploading videos snippets of the show there all the time and we're active on twitter and instagram at pull to open 63 we will see you next time for fury from the deep yes get get furious people and get deep because mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna do we'll see you then talk soon Bye bye <laughs>